Wir gehen jetzt in den Wassers los. It's Deinen Freundo, Seth, I'm learning German. Yeah, in case you didn't know what that was. That is me trying to impress you with the little German that I know. Right now, I am actually learning German. I took it in high school. I goofed off the entire time. I did some other language learning apps. They taught me things like where the taxi stand is and how to find a bus, um, but not a lot of conversational uh, German. Thankfully, that's what Babbel is all about. Babbel teaches you language conversationally, which let's face it, that is what you want to know anyway. I don't know. When I was in school, you learned like how to count. You learned like the colors. You learned the shapes. Those are all important things, but they don't help you when you're in uh, like Cologne, Germany with Ein Nierenstein, which by the way is German for kidney stone, uh, an experience I can unfortunately speak personally to. But I've been using Babbel to learn to speak German again, uh, better than I have before. I actually really like it because it is conversational. It's a little bit more relaxed. One of the things that it does that I really like is it'll sometimes show you what the literal English translation is. And I don't know why, but I find that very helpful in sort of understanding the structure, the grammar of a language and sort of putting myself into that mind space. Since I'm only in Germany for Gamescom, which is like a week, week and a half, I'm not immersed in the German language. I'm not immersed in German culture. So what I do is the second best thing. I'm taking Babbel. Hopefully this year when I go to Germany, I'll be able to impress all the Germans with how much German I know from learning through Babbel. The app has pronunciation recognition, so you'll be able to learn how to speak better with your accent, how to actually properly pronounce the words. That way you won't get made fun of by a, a group of older German men because you said Apfelstrudel and not Apfelstrudel. Um, no, it's really cool. Uh, I'm going to say right now there is a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now you can get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners because you guys are the best ones, by the way, at babbel.com slash realm. Get 60% off at babbel.com slash realm. That is spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash realm. Rules and restrictions may apply. Visible is a wireless carrier that is not invisible. It is pretty clear from the name. Actually, radio waves are invisible. And I can say this with authority as a licensed amateur radio operator. That being said, Visible won't be giving you the power to see light outside the visible spectrum. It's actually way better because having that ability would make getting around very difficult and distracting. What you do get with Visible is unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. You get one line of wireless, just $25 a month, which is great in these times of economic uncertainty. That is one line for $25, taxes and fees included. So whatever you're doing at this moment, please stop. Switch immediately. Now, monthly rate on the Visible plan for data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Nintendo!
IGN's offices in San Francisco, welcome to Nintendo Voice Chat. This is IGN's Nintendo podcast coming to you each week. I am your host, Jose Otero, and we have a great show for you today. Impressions, some news, uh, the Pokemon World Championship this weekend. And oh, man. the person sitting to my left will never compete in that. <laughs> <laughs> Brian Altado. Hi, how are you, Jose? How are your Pokemon? I, I think they're all dead. They've been dead for months. When are you yeah, going to well, pick that game back up? When you don't turn the game on for a while, they start... They st- basically they start their own culture oh. in a town, and they, then okay. they murder each other. So it's not like Animal Crossing where like weeds grow. It's, and weird no, it's not like weeds. That. They all become cannibals and they, oh, they eat each other. You see, that's so dark. it's horrible, man. Yeah. It's re- yeah, this it's is really... why uh, you got a death by Pikachu picture yeah. from uh, Pandemus. That's right. Your that's horrible right. death in Pokemon. You got to check back often on all your right. Pokemon, which I haven't. So they're all they're all dead and gone. Yeah. So just a heads up for listeners: uh, our wonderful Pear Schneider, uh, regular contributor, is on vacation. He punked out. He went out to uh, Tahoe and is reliving his German experience, I think. But lucky for us, we were able to dig up another person to come on the show this week. Mitch Dyer, hello. Guten Tag. Yes, how you doing, man? Doing really, really well. Okay. Yeah, it's Pokemon World Championship this weekend, and Brian will not be ever competing in that. Is that like the international? Somewhat, yeah. Okay. No, it's it's the big Pokemon tournament. Uh, They do it for the card game and the uh, the video game, Pokemon X and Y. Where is that? Uh, Washington D.C. Uh, this year, yeah, this weekend. Yeah, I really wish I could check it out, but mm, just not in the cards. All right, so let's talk a little bit about impressions then. Let's start. So you've been playing Steamroll Dig on Wii U. On Wii U, yeah, uh, excellent, excellent game. You uh, fancy? I've heard a lot about this. Yeah, it's uh, it was one of my favorite games of last year. Mm-hmm. Um, it came out for. God, I want to say it started on 3DS, yep. and then it came to PC, and then I think uh, PS3, PS3, it's on Vita, uh, right? PS3, yeah, Vita, yeah, yeah. It's pretty much hit everywhere. It's made but the it, rounds, but yeah, it started on um, on 3DS, which actually it really it feels like a Nintendo game, like it really does. It's 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 a uh, Metroidvania, as as they call them, and I really hate that word. I hate it too. Can we just call it a Metroid game? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. So yeah, I don't sure. meet enough people who don't who dislike that word as much as I do. So, I don't. I mean, I don't hate it, but it's it's just a Metroid it, game. It's, it's just Metroid. Metroidvania. It's sort of it's sort of Dig Dug meets Metroid, right? right. Um, and I really uh, or Mr. Driller or something like that, which <laughs> I actually I really I really enjoy. Um, so you've got this massive cavern that just go seems to go on for miles and miles and miles, which it does. And then you're this little guy who's basically Basically, just the steampunk robot guy who's got your a pitchfork. You're Mr. Dig. Yeah, Mr. Dig. And you're you got your steampunk robot, and you dig down, searching for ores and and you know elements and stuff like that that you can forge into new weapons. And you keep coming up every now and then. You go to your town, and you get new items, new weapons, and then you go back down and dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And you there's, find abilities and stuff too. There's right? abilities. There's like mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, it's, it's so that's where the sort of like Metroid feeling gets in, right? Where you start to get like extra jumps and extra attacks and then moves and stuff like that and then there's bosses and secret areas and all kinds of, of cool stuff um and i loved it on 3ds uh one of the reasons i loved it was because it sort of brought back that castlevania feeling to me of playing castlevania games on the on the ds mm-hmm. where you had your map screen and items on a separate on a separate screen and you did your gameplay up top and the wii u version which comes out in i believe a week or two uh, actually brings all that stuff back for the for the gamepad, so it works really well. They put it in in HD on 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 the Wii U. It's beautiful. The art's great. The music's awesome. It's mm-hmm. got this sort of like 
almost like Tarantino country western kind of <laughs> feel to it. Uh, but not the Hateful Eight. Not the Hateful Eight. Okay. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just a really enjoyable title. If you're waiting for some of the bigger games to come to Wii U, this is like one of those perfect like kind of like summer pick me ups that they'll hold you over between the AAA stuff Nintendo's working on. Just the kind of game I want to see more and more of yeah. on the Wii U. And obviously. this game specifically uh, on 3DS at least was a sleeper hit. Like it just showed up one day. Hey, yeah. Steam World Dig. It's like wait, what do you, what is that? Steam World Dig. And yep. then you play and you're like, holy cow, this is really good. Yeah, and it made our it made it into our uh, 2013 top 25 3DS games. You know, yep. we really enjoyed it, so uh, it's on Wii U That's now. That's the all-time Check list out. too, right? Not just for the year. I think well, the top no, 25 I mean, list is all-time. It is all-time for the platform. Yeah, yeah, and it did make it onto that list. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. Really, really good game. So yep. folks should check that out. So uh, I have impressions. I've been playing Hyrule Warriors. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. Cool. that's out in Japan right now. So there will be no spoilers if you're sitting, listening to this, and going, oh, my God, he's going to spoil the entire game. How did then? Who's I the won't. secret character? <laughs> Nintendo's done a good enough job of telling you all the secret characters <laughs> yeah, yeah. at this point. Is it board. the owl? Can you play as the owl? Oh, that'd be so rad. Are you kidding me? I want to play as so, the owl. Uh, I still remember when this game got announced in December, and this podcast had a hissy fit. Oh my god, yeah, dude! Most when he's throwing like bomb after bomb after bomb, I was like, "Sign me!" <laughs> I'm so down with this game. Yeah, um, but oh, we, you were, were, we you were we were on board from day one. Hell we yeah. were mad at it. You in here. I was yeah. so mad at this game when I first heard nah. about it, and now I'm like, "Bring it on!" I'm dude, happy. Hyrule to, Warriors to, looks to, so fun and dumb. Yeah, yeah, yeah to, exactly. To you, to quote him exactly, he was like, "This is like watching your best friend go out with a horrible girlfriend. It's like she's not right for you." That's what he. He said you go back and check that oh, out the things <laughs> i say so uh, the trouble well, i get into here. let me let me uh let me get right to it and this is someone who was also like was worried because dynasty warriors does have that repetitive element but um you know playing it i have to admit i'm having a really hard time not playing it I, like i'm i'm in i guess i'm enjoying it is what i want to tell people and so I there's a difference between enjoying it and it being good well, is it no, good? I, I think it is good. Okay. I, but Great. what I keep, what I'm constantly at conflict about right now is, if you took all this Zelda stuff out of here, would it just would be I like brawler. this game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't answer that yet because I, I haven't put enough time. But I will say, the fan service and being able to play as other characters is totally the highlight. And for that's me why right I think now. that's always an unfair question. Like, man, if this wasn't a Star Wars thing, you yeah. wouldn't like it. It's like, yeah, but it is Star Wars, yeah. so it's awesome. Yeah, and it and it pays. You know, it, it bows at the altar that is. You know, sort of what the Zelda franchise and has that's kind of great. Cool. Then my favorite character right now to play as is Sheik. Sheik is so awesome. Sheik is always awesome. Um, I will point out to people, uh, and again, this is spoiler free. Um, the character unlock system is really quickly within the campaign. Like by oh. the second, third stage, you're immediately unlocking characters that awesome. you can choose to be as, or you can just keep playing. So as it's Link. not like there's a Link stage and then a Zelda stage. No, and a they stage. do isolate certain characters to certain places. Okay. So, for example, you'll play a level where you can play as Link, Sheik, or Impa, and then the next stage you may not have access to Sheik; it's someone else. But um, I, I like the progression so far is pretty solid. Uh, the way weapons work and how you have to kind of fuse them together to <laughs> unlock po- more powerful variations, I think that's fine. Sure. Um, the only thing I haven't spent time with and I really want to play, but it's going to be hard with the language barrier, is the adventure mode, which the top map down map is totally the original Legend of Zelda. And then when you like go bit, into the ba- – yeah, right? eight yeah, 8-bit style, but then you go into it and – you have to fulfill a requirement on a Hyrule Warriors map, and it's a portion of a map. So they try to isolate you and confine you to certain places, at least in the early going. Um, yeah, Sheik's rad. Like, Sheik's uh, easiest combo is like YX, and when you finish the second move, she throws a, uh, a spinning column of water out. So imagine just all of these enemies like spinning in the air, and granted, the frame rate takes a little bit of a hit if you start throwing like two or th- three or four out there, mm-hmm. um, but it 
it is really empowering. And for folks at home, like the, I think the thing I'm also digging is that a lot of the gameplay is predicated on go where we need you. Like, hey, the Western Front, we're losing right now. Or there's this really strong boss there. Yeah. Or like someone's about to die. Like run over there and handle that, please. And you go over there, handle your business, make it's everyone a very Dynasty foolish. Warriors thing. Yeah, it is. Lubu um, is wrecking shit over here. Go over there and fix it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so and meanwhile, all the other guys are just like, I guess we'll just dance around in this field. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing that's a little unsettling is then you look at what everyone else is doing in the field and all of the soldiers on your team, most of them aren't doing anything. That's um, a you look at, you look the, at the enemies. All, the yeah. enemies are all just kind of crowding around you and like looking you in the eye going, ah, we're going to get you. But they so don't do anything. Like, it's like a kung fu movie yeah. where there's like you're fighting one guy but the 15 guys are at the bar like, ah, and they're doing uh, the dun-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da
got broken, dude. In Brawl. Yes. Really? Yes. Meta Knight was ridiculously overpowered. Got to ban That's that fool from pro play. Yeah. Really? Yeah, you got to. Yeah. So, Are there uh, bans in Smash play? Uh, in pro play? Yeah. yeah in okay. pro play, I, I believe so. I mean, it's weird because I don't watch Brawl play too much, so okay. I don't know. I didn't even know that. I thought people just gave up on that one. Yeah, well, you know. I don't know. I, uh, there are certain characters people just don't use. Like, so so. Is, that, many... is that like an honor thing, though, or is it like... In my, like, I think it depends. So for, the reason I ask is like following competitive sports lately, it's, or like esports lately, it's like people ban like the same four heroes in Dota every single time a match starts. It's like, yeah, we're banning Lycan and we're banning this character and this character. It's like people just don't want to deal with them. And I'm curious if uh, they do that with Meta Knight. I, yeah. I'm sure they have. I think it depends on the tournament and I think the, it depends on you know the organization behind okay. it. I mean, if it's a super hardcore f- organization and they think he's OP, they are going to ban him. Um, how, you many, know. how many characters is this now? Ooh, 50, like 30, 30, 30, 37, yeah, I, thought, I thought we were in like the late 40s. No, no, maybe, oh, okay. maybe we are, and we're forgetting. But it's we're in a the lot. late. We're in officially thought, in the late. 30s well, we're in now. the home stretch, regardless. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's happening, right? Yeah, yeah we got um, like uh, five left, one for every month before this game comes out. Yep. <sighs> so that's what, a 2015 joke, Jose. What if this was it? I'm not gonna bite into that one. Are I'll, you guys gonna be happy if this is it? I don't. So I don't care about Ness. <laughs> I, Wait, only, I, I only want Ness to exist so that Andrew Goldfarb doesn't die. Yeah. Is Wario been be officially really announced? No, not no, yet. Not There's yet. still a handful of characters that haven't been announced, but I will say we're, we're, we're hitting owl. the home stretch. <laughs> you and <laughs> <that's an laughs> um, Well, quickly to wrap up the Meta Knight thing, he, uh, Sakurai does address Meta Knight's up special move and how it sounds like it's been nerfed. So he put, writes on Miiverse, Meta Knight's up special move, Shuttle Loop, changed quite a bit in this game, oh, he wrote. The glide is gone, and the attack slashes opponents twice while spinning in a large loop. This has effect. This has turned it into a highly technical and effective move. So hopefully he's heard by now too. Like yeah. Meta Knight. He, just he then OP. added, he can now sleep under the stage for the entire duration of the match <laughs> while everyone fights on top, and he'll win automatically. <laughs> that was, that's not How official. To make a video that's, game. That's not official. Um, <laughs> no, but, that's not true. But now driving back to what you guys were talking about, are we ready to be done with Smash Brothers updates? Because it's about to finish. This I'm has okay been a with campaign. It. I just want the game. I, I even so I was telling you I saw uh, new screenshots of the 3DS version mm-hmm. and a lot of the single player campaign stuff, and I like went through this like all of a sudden I got incredibly excited for it and I'm like you know what uh, the 3DS version was a total afterthought for me but now I cannot wait to play it I'm going to play it until the Wii U version comes out and then I'm going to go back and play the 3DS version even more and and ping pong between the two Greg and I had like Monday morning Mario Golfs we yeah. should start doing Monday morning oh my god yeah. but let's do it longer than that because yeah. Monday morning Mario it, it Golf burned out a little bit burned out real fast like you went somewhere and then we just stopped and then it stopped yeah, yeah. and then let's we never every morning back smash alright I'm down uh, October 3rd I think. Um, anyway, okay. uh, other thing announced at Gamescom: Smash Brothers 3DS XL is announced for Europe. It wah, is a wah. red and black console with a design inspired by the cover of Smash Brothers for 3DS. Have you seen it? It includes yeah. a pre-installed copy of the game. They have not set a price. It comes out on October 3rd, same day as the Western launch of the game. I'm sure this will never come out in the U.S. Then. What I know. Do you, well, before we answer that, what do you think of the design? I love it. You I think it's great. It it's, it's awesome having like 15 characters on the front of your 3DS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're all like they have that like awesome empowering like unified like go get them boys yeah, kind yeah, of attitude. Yeah. I love that look. I, I'm not wild about is... the red. I was hoping if like not I was hoping because I had no idea. This is a thing I didn't know. I was existed. hoping before oh, we I knew, knew this was yeah, a yeah, thing. Yeah, but we knew there would be an exclusive. I had a feeling there would be something like that. I'm just glad it's not that logo alone, right? Like the Smash logo. Sure. Okay. Yeah. I was like I would I would rather it's a white 3ds or a black 3ds with an overlay on it. But I think like a white 3ds with the black and white colors colored characters over it would be cool. But the red's fine. It's, it's gorgeous. Like the art's yeah. really cool. I know you're not super crazy. Yeah, about the so art I'm, itself. I'm silent Why for a reason. Why do you hate reason. Nintendo? No, I don't hate Nintendo. I just I, I 
I agree with Brian in that the red, uh, well, the red's supposed to be there because Smash 3DS, the color associated with that one is red. Yeah. The Wii U version is associated with blue. I get that part. Had no idea. Um, yeah. No, that's a thing. But uh, I definitely don't like the black and white, like the gray, the the black and white character design. Like I really, I part of me wishes they would have just committed and just drawn the entire cover of the game if they were going to go that far sure. in color on the front of it it would be more expensive to produce probably so that's probably a big reason why also even the logo itself which is i'm forgetting off the top of my head but i think it's like it's white or gray or something i should pull it up real fast it's like a silvery that. glimmery thing right yeah it just it didn't it didn't look great to me um and i don't i don't want to be the guy who's just compl- complaining for the sake of complaining i'm glad this thing exists but i think the design could have been a title yeah so if you look at the uh the, everyone leaned over <laughs> to look. Uh, if you look at like the wording the for like, like a Smash little bit Bros. yeah i wish that was white instead of pink i wish uh you know, just there was a little more color happening. I feel like red on white with I black honestly, just isn't I, that I could stunning to me. I could lose the whole logo too. Yeah. I could lose the logo. Yeah, actually, just, you could. Just yeah, the when I was in, in my mind's the eye, the logo, logo was not there yeah. when I was. So, at this. what do you guys think? You think they'll do something similar for the Wii U? I'm hoping so. Yeah. But like I, console, I mean, they didn't maybe? do it with Mario Kart 8. They just shipped the standard system. Huh. Yeah. And that's a that is the bigger game in my. You'll mind. probably get like yeah. a blue controller, like a Wii Mote thing. Or just yeah. the gamepad like, only. We got the Yoshi yep. Wii Mote yep. this time. We got the Wii. So it's, it's safe to assume they're going to do a bundle, right? Yeah. Do you uh, think it, it'll include the GameCube controller adapter and the GameCube controller? Cause I think no then, then way, because that makes sense. Yes, that's true. Yeah, You're no, right. that You're that right. might make too much sense. Uh, but then again, you know, it's also like if they did that, you know, they they do lose money on the extra controller and the adapter, yep. right? Like, I mean, that I don't know if that would work. But I, I, I am hoping they're tempted to do something with the system itself because there hasn't been a special edition Wii U in production outside of the Wind Waker one. Yes. And that was, again, fan service on the gamepad itself. If they just stick to that, I'm okay with it. But I hope they go the extra mile and put something on the system. Sure. I yeah. think that would be yeah. cool. There are enough Smash fans out there who want it. They're hardcore and they're willing to spend money. Do it. Um, Before you proceed, I need to jet. I got to. Uh, go take care of something and okay. then I'll be but back you'll be questions. back for the second okay yeah. no worries man yeah. thanks dudes cool. yeah absolutely See Mitch you, Dyer ladies and Bye. gentlemen clap it up he clapped for himself but yeah you there you totally go hear... I clapped too I just didn't want to clap loud no, you by can the mic. clap he yeah. can't clap for himself no, I did alright so you doing, is there any I'm fine is Great. there any reason to believe this isn't coming to North America um, well let's see like historically are, have there been special edition 3DS's that never made it here Japan, yes. Uh, that were announced in Japan, yes. But never in Europe. Europe uh, there's probably one or two. I know the white design didn't make it past Europe. Um, but this is a special edition console. I have no reason to think this isn't coming to America. And if anyone who's listening to this podcast disagrees, email mvc at ign.com. The, we saw this last year with the Zelda 3DS announcement, where yeah. that was Europe first, I think, or Japan, then Europe, or then Europe, then Japan. But regardless, it wasn't, it wasn't verified for the States until way later. I think relax. Like if you're worried about this, don't. This yep. thing has to be coming out here. Yep. I would, I would be willing to bet actually if you wanna if you wanna lose some uh, stake to me. No, no, I'll it's fine. It. Well, there's enough stake on the table. I think I think it'll come <laughs> to America, but I think um, there might be a, a, a spin on it, and a variation of some sort, which is kind of cool to okay. me. Unless you are 3ds, unless you collect 3ds uh, 3ds systems itself, then you're kind of screwed because yeah. you got to buy stuff all over the world. No, it's true. But, but yeah, again, I, I think it's safe to assume there'll be. Uh, so th- this is bundled. It's got the game yeah, preloaded on. Preloaded, preinstalled. Yeah, I think it's definitely safe to assume something like this will come to America. Yep. Which is always interesting to me because, I mean, I, I guess that's for the people who 
I haven't bought a 3DS yet, and we're waiting for a Smash Brothers, or is it for the think, people like us who already have a 3DS? I think it's a little of both. I okay. think there's some folks who, yeah, if this was the t- if this was the system to buy and the time to buy, absolutely. But I was actually I told you this off mic, but um, in some cases they don't do it though. Like the Pokemon uh, X and Y 3DSs were standalone; they didn't come with a copy of the game pre-installed. Yeah, Animal Crossing did though. Um, there was a Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon one that mm-hmm. did, but didn't really have too much flair. It was just a cool color. Um, which which 3ds are you rocking these days? I'm, I went back to black, man. Oh, cool. Yeah, because I just the Zelda one too much bling. Yeah, like that's the one. It. That's the one I got. And yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I play on the train, man. That's just too much gold. It's gold. It's very bright. <laughs> it's very, like I, I've been on an airplane and I open it up and the light hits it and it's it's just like oh ah! yeah, yeah. Four people next to me wake up. <laughs> yep. No, it's true. All right. So yes, uh, have faith, folks. This will probably come stateside. Yep. All right. So next bit of news: Azure Striker Gunvolt has a release date. Do you know what this game is? I have no idea. Tell me. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna help you get hype. Paint me like game. one of your listener girls. Okay. I don't even know what that means. Do you want to tell me no, what just... that means? All right. So Azure Striker. Wow. <laughs> Azure Striker. Wait till a pair hears this. Azure Striker Gunvolt is a 3D action game. It's created uh, by developer Inti Creates. They made yep. Mega Man 9, Mega Man 10, and the Mega Man Zero series uh, that you saw. Even ZX Advent, I think, was them as well on uh, GBA and DS. Um and it's basically a 3DS action game in the style of like 16-bit like Japanese-made action games. Oh, so awesome. we're talking like Mega Man X, um, you know, Alien Soldier. For some folks, that's Revenge of Shinobi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's sort of that 2D pixelated art style, but done really well. Um, KG and Ifune is involved. You want to know what he's doing on this project? He's, no, he's I would credited as an executive producer, um, and he's considered the action supervisor. So he was kind of consulted to that's help with like feedback and stuff like that. What a great job title that is. Yeah. Action supervisor. Yes, yes. No, that's that's cool. And basically everything else was handled by Inti Creates. That means you can you can walk in like once a week and be like, make it more badass. Yeah. So it's coming in uh it's coming out in North America August 29th, which is right before or during PAX. That's actually during PAX, first day of PAX. Fifteen dollars comes out in Japan on August twentieth. Um it's three DS only again. It's really rad so far from what I've seen of it. Uh we're hoping to get our hands on it and have some impressions for folks. Uh, given the pedigree and Inti Creates knows how to make really good like sure. action games like that, I'm, I have a lot of confidence. And yeah, yeah. that's also the same company that's working on Mighty Number no. Nine, oh, by great. the way, which is a 3D variant of the very same principles of this. But like layered sprites in 3D, like I'm hype for the I, most this, part. This is a great sounding game that they're burying under a very weird name. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. I mean, like but, a lot of games know. that come from Japan, you know, like Bravely Default. We say it all the time. Sure. It's just sure. theatrhythm. Yep. You know, like there are other examples. I mean, I guess on paper, something like Smash Brothers sounds like a stupid name too. It does. It sound doesn't really make weird. any sense. Yeah. Well, most games sound dumb. Yeah, it's also true. Yeah, so uh, keep that on your calendar, folks. Uh, again, check the site, and we should have some impressions coming hopefully real soon before we deliver a review, which we're looking to do as well. Awesome. Last bit of news, uh, and we brought it up at the top of the show. The Pokemon World Championship for 2014 is this weekend. It's happening in Washington, D.C. You can watch the whole thing on Twitch. Uh, now, for folks at home who have never watched this before, this is for both the trading card game and Pokemon uh, X and Y, the video game. Uh, the festivities start Saturday, August 16th, and it's Eastern Standard Times. So the finals happen on Sunday, so 10 a.m. Eastern uh, and 3 p- Oh, excuse me. That's for uh, the card game. 
and 3 p.m. Eastern for the X and Y finals. Uh, I really think if you're interested in the, sort of the, comp- the competitive meta game of Pokemon, you should check it out. But you should also be warned that uh, if you haven't watched Pokemon before, a lot of the tactics involve stalling, honestly. Yeah. If you can't like one hit and take something out, it's about poisoning something or just laying down something that is going to slowly eat away at that Pokemon's health. So, so it's, it's a lot it's of stalling. Game. It, it is the long game, 100% for the most part, for some folks. Uh, so I want to say what's majority it like, of it. What's it like, I mean, so what do you prefer, the card game or the video game? I prefer the video game. I've never really gotten into the card game myself. Sure. Even though, you know, we've seen the card game kind of rise and become that, oh, that man, huge yeah. fad. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I, I know with, with certain things, like I... I don't really care for, you know, poker, but sometimes mm-hmm. if you put it on TV, you're like, wow, this is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Or like bowling or like, there's a lot of things that I have no interest in, but when put into like the sort of competitive environment, mm-hmm. especially through something like Twitch. Yeah, or uh, an eSport or something. Yeah. I hear you. Yeah. Um, so wait, what's the question then? Like, like which, which one of those kind of makes the better live show? Mm. Like if folks were to tune in and watch one or the other, do you think it's the game or the card game? I think it's the game. Okay. Uh, just because it's a lot more visual and... Uh, but then again, I've never watched the card game, so it's really hard for me to say. If you have advice for Brian on this very topic, you should write into the show, nvc at ign.com. But you may have missed the Pokemon Championship. So if it's after the fact, just let them know anyway. Yeah, let me know. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, get, I'll, I'll get in on yeah, that I'd, next year. I'd rather watch the video game myself. Like I'm really getting into trying to get into the competitive metagame, and it's hard. There sure. are so many things you need to know and so much knowledge you have to have. But it's incredibly deep, which is what I really respect about it. And I, I think I've said it on this podcast before. I hit 125 hours in X and Y. How did that happen? That's you crazy. can't even get an hour. I got a hey, I got a couple how, hours. How many hours? Probably three. Okay, well, three or four. you gave up too soon. Yeah, 125 hours. Are you going to play the remakes? Are you going to try again? Yeah, I'll try them out. You sure? Yeah. I won't play them for 125 you hours. You are my witnesses, listeners. He <laughs> said he would try. I need you. I Tweet at Agent Bizzle and let him know he let should me know. play. Yeah. Tell me to play Pokemon. I will. Yeah. I will. Help him out. All right, cool. Well, that's it for news, and it's time for a break. So when we come back, Mitch should be back, and we are going to jump into the question block. More when we return. Jose Otero here, joined by Brian Altano. Hey. And very special guest, making his NBC debut at least, Mitch Dyer. So happy to be here. Mitch, I'm really glad to have you on. I feel like you and I never podcast together Ever. enough. Yeah. Um, and the weird thing is, I feel like we both started our appreciation of the podcast because of the same place. Yes. I, it was 1UP, right? It was 1UP.com. Yep. 1UP yours. Yes, it was 1UP yours. GFW uh, Radio. Yeah, it, w- it was all of that. And uh, yeah, so just inside baseball for listeners at home, like we were James super... Spider briefings. Yeah, I did love that Sometimes. Show. I remember hearing you the on there. The comedy button. <laughs> I still have not heard one. I hate Rebel FM. Really? Yeah. Everybody should listen to the comedy I know. Everyone should. If you're IG listening, Arena. don't stop listening to this one, though, yeah. and then jump ship to the comedy button. Do it after. <laughs> all right? Cool. Thank you. So, uh, Mitch, this is your first time. We are actually yeah. on the question block, and this ties into our sort of our one-up appreciation thing, because this was sort of born from a place where a uh, four-minute warning was something we really cared about. Or at least, you know, I know. Yeah, you did as well. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. this is mm-hmm. sort of our version, but with uh, questions submitted by our users, four minutes or at least we try to keep them to that if it needs to go over it well so our first question comes from 
Kevin Wade, he says, discuss or dismiss Nintendo smartphone. Is it that crazy of an idea? And then here's some of what he included to back that up. Nintendo is a hardware company after all. Other than a subtle form factor and cell radio, there isn't a whole lot of hardware needed to turn a 3DS into a smartphone. I don't know if I agree with that, but I'll keep reading. Nintendo is already fighting itself with how to better compete in the mobile gaming space. They've already shown the willingness to compete by just building it themselves, i.e. we use tablet. I'd much rather walk around with a single cell phone that plays full-fledged Nintendo games than two separate devices with a huge functional overlap. I'm leaving out other ancillary issues, but it conceptually makes sense in my opinion. So what do you guys think? Discuss, dismiss... Nintendo dismiss. is smartphone. No. Dismiss, because Nintendo is not a hardware company. Nintendo is a games company. Since its inception, it has always been about games and entertainment stuff, right? Like, they were, the, they were a card game company. So from day one, they were about games. They are now a company that also happens to make hardware to facilitate those games. And they're taking interesting risks with hardware. They probably will not extend those risks onto the mobile market, because it's dominated so heavily by one, two, three different parties, maybe. Yeah. And now Nintendo will prioritize making very interesting games... And ideally using its you know its own hardware to, to make the most of it. And it has that in a home console and a portable system. It doesn't have room for a phone. Yeah, I feel like if they're having trouble with third parties on consoles, I can't imagine what that space looks like in, in the mobile universe. You know? yeah. I mean, uh, most of the apps that a lot of people use are not made by Apple you know, uh, on their iPhones yeah, and yeah. stuff like that. They, you need to work with other companies on stuff like this, and I, I don't think it's where they shine. Like, So wh- what happens to my calculator app? Is it Animal mm-hmm. Crossing calculator? What happens to my calendar? Is it Mario calendar? Like, they've, they've messed with stuff like this in the, they've, you know, experimented in this space yeah. before on the DSi. I don't, I don't think it makes sense. I think they're, they're at odds. Uh, they are predominantly trying to make games for all ages, and I don't think that cell phones should be for all ages. I, I think, think kids shouldn't have also, cell phones. Also, Eiji Onuma is not going to waste his like making a Zelda game for a phone. <laughs> yeah. He's just not. He's he's got grander ambitions than that. Yeah. And so does everyone making Mario games and Donkey Kong games and Star Fox. So games. I think I think the current perception of what the mobile market is is a market that immediately you see compromises made because it has to be a, a do-everything device. Whereas yeah. a dedicated gaming portable has certain essential pieces like a D-pad and buttons and etc. Sure. Yeah, it's and some the processor of that just, isn't wasting time like yeah. working on a phone or an OS. It, it's, it's not it's running gotten, things in the background. Yeah, yeah. You make a great point with that. And I also feel like uh, at least the phone market currently, it's saturated, man, between yeah. iOS and Android. Like, is there room for another player? I just, I don't think there is. The App Store is also so, so huge that Nintendo diversifying itself into like its own little quarter and saying, here, we have this Nintendo phone with a Nintendo store that you hate because we don't know what we're doing with online stores. I also Nobody feel like will care. That, that would signify the death of their handheld line in the traditional uh The Game Boy is gone. That, that, that said, point. though, yeah. I, I would push back a little when you said Nintendo's not totally a hardware company. I would only push back on that and say that they can be and they are and they figure out the best uses for their own hardware. Street Pass is a great example of that. Um, but they build so it always, always, always around the games they want to make. Yeah, and that's that's exactly uh, the. I mean, that's a good point. Just that at least they, when they do create hardware, they find the best ways to leverage that yeah, hardware. It's and games first, make really then good hardware, games out of it. and then never phones. Yeah, and right now they're in a weird place because they're sort of seeing what what Apple does with the market, right? Yeah. Where across iOS on mobile or on like tablet they're able to take a game and scale it to both places. Yep. And Nintendo has to be looking at that and going, we can do that. Like We have to be able to do that. We need a cohesive environment where we can make a game that maybe it can scale to what you put on a TV. 
I still don't think that exists yet, but I want to think that people over there are thinking about it. And if there's one company that can make breakthroughs and that has make has made, excuse me, huge breakthroughs, at least in the gaming space, not the mobile space, not the tablet space, and definitely not the yep. smartphone space, it's Nintendo. Yeah, Nintendo was making touchscreen games before most companies were. You yeah. know? Um, I think there's there's ideas there. I would like to see them experiment on, uh, on mobile devices before they do anything uh, big like that, but I don't. I don't want to see them enter, put a bunch of money into a whole new field of, of, of having an, a Nintendo cell phone. So, or, I, I think a lot of people would look at a Nintendo phone and just kind of scoff at it and laugh yeah, at it. Like, and yeah. people aren't going to, in the same way that like my mom and dad know how to buy an iPhone and how to use that OS. They're not the people who are going to say, "Oh, Nintendo made a phone, huh? I'm going to go buy that and have yeah. this totally yeah. isolated market." It's and you, kids, and, and you and you. I think you both touched on this, but there's definitely that uh, point that. They need to get their online act together because if this was a thing and it came out, the fact that there there's so many things that are backwards right now with Nintendo's online. Granted, there have been a lot of strides in the past year or sure. two, huge strides, at least for them. Yeah. But that stuff has to be in place day one if you want to be a competitor. And I just think that needs to be sorted out. So, no, I dismiss it as well. As and much as I'd like to see it because I think it could be something cool, I just I still think that for Nintendo, gaming is going to be on a dedicated platform of sorts. Kevin made it sound like it's kind of a problem to carry around a phone and a 3DS in the same backpack. I mean, there's going to come a time well, where, maybe he where we miss. A backpack. Maybe well, whatever it is, down. there's going to be a time where we miss having that problem. Because handhelds will go away for Well, I miss having that problem whenever I just carry around my iPhone because I look at it and go, I don't want to play anything on this. Yep, as yep. much as some of the games do take advantage of You don't want to play hardware, Dargan Quest? Not for me. <laughs> How about that typo? We're not good. <laughs> All right, next question comes from Luis Benitez, and he says, Hi, I love listening to your show. Uh, he's a factory worker and uh, enjoy listening to new and previous episodes while at work. So he writes in asking, so he's, he's a closet gamer, he's 27. And uh, he once told close friends that he enjoyed gaming. However, they pretty much told him to grow up and put childish things away. Um, uh, now I keep my gaming habit to myself for fear of being rejected. I would like to meet other gamers but don't know where. What are some other places to meet like-minded gamers? Okay. Okay. Cupid, Tinder. <laughs> First of all, is there anything more childish than judging how another adult Man, spends like their toys. free time? Yeah, right. I mean, like, that, I, I think that playing the, wor- playing the worst video game in the world is more mature than being a baby about somebody else playing video games. Right, like, like I don't, why, do, why should I care what Brian does with his yeah. time. I, I, I have to side with him a little bit with Lewis here because I used to work at a school and when I worked at a, when I worked there, the teacher's lounge, I would never bring up gaming because I was surrounded by you know, 30-somethings, mid-30-somethings, sure. maybe even 40-somethings who had yeah. kids and other priorities and I just always felt like this is not the place to talk about that. That said, however, though, uh, Lewis, I don't think you know, there there are a lot of ways to meet gamers. I think it really depends on where you live. For example, in San Francisco, um, there's this uh, bar called the Folsom Street Foundry. Folsom Street Foundry is the best. Yeah, they have a video game night. Now they've increased it to twice a week. Really? Um, yeah, so it was n- normally on Tuesdays. Tuesdays. Now it's Tuesdays and Thursdays. Ooh. And they just bring out board games, handhelds, rock Arcade band. games. Yeah, uh, Nidhogg is there. Yeah. Mario Kart 8 is there. Smash tournaments are on Tuesdays. Street Fighters on Thursdays. Uh, hopefully you can find stuff like that in your community. Yeah. Uh, but what is what are some other places? And I agree with you guys, by the way. There's nothing worse than than like f- feeling like you were judged over. It's like, just hanging like on yeah. it, it feels like a very a very ni- '90s thing to say. You're yeah. like an '80s or '90s thing. To Look say, at you know? this like, nerd playing his and, games. You, you could be yeah. like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? You're going to see Guardians of the Galaxy, that that comic chi- book that movie, cartoon movie based on a, a children's comic book. Yeah. I mean. 
Yeah, sure. Like, or what are you playing? You know, like what what are you reading? Like, are you watching The Walking Dead, a show that's based on uh, like a, a comic book again? Like, I mean, all, all of our like nerd culture one, right? It, it's it's in the mainstream. Yep. It's everywhere. It's time to just accept it and be happy about it. And video games are an essential part of that culture. And I think that before you worry about uh, who, where you can find uh, places where you can be okay with gaming, you need to be okay with getting rid of these crappy friends because they're bad. At okay. the same time, I think it's also kind of dangerous to label yourself or define yourself by your hobbies. Yeah, to, to I agree. Define yourself as like, I'm a gamer and I need to have gamer friends and I'm only going to date gamer girls. Like, that's just not yeah, a thing. Not like, realistic. you're a human being who has interests and yeah. one of those happens to be games. And if you can find people to talk about them, great. If not, okay, like that should be fine. Like you can have, you don't need to live and breathe games every moment of your life. It's weird to me to, to hear the the closet thing too, because it's yeah. sort of like, man, I, I mean, I'm like closet. Like I don't want to talk about games with other people. Like you don't even really hear closet homosexual yeah. much anymore, because it was sort of like we've we've embraced as a as a culture and a society and a, a species we've embraced or or. or you know, thriving or striving to embrace that part of humanity and be like, you know, come out. Welcome. We're cool. Yep. So I don't want to like open Interesting that. Interesting word choice. Yeah. I don't want to open <laughs> that closet for everyone and then everyone's out there and then we just build a whole bunch of new closets for things. Like, <laughs> oh, I'm a closet moviegoer. Yeah. I'm a closet comic book fan. I'm a closet video gamer. So just, like, no, yeah. screw no, get rid just, of the closet. You have hobbies. Just to drive us back around though, help them out. What, where, where else can you meet gamers, you think? What? I mean, I just think you shouldn't I mean, be ashamed up, of it. But. Look up yeah. arcades. If you really do want to meet people who play games and stuff, like go to a barcade. If there's one in your area, Barcade? I don't really. Yeah, I, don't I love know. that Barcade. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, like gaming conventions are look awesome. Up, yeah, look I up mean, board game nights and stuff. Like yeah. some some nights at comic shops, they'll have board game nights or video game nights and stuff. Go to yeah. PAX too. Yeah, go to like PAX. maybe go yeah, to something seriously. like that. Uh, That's what it's I'm funny because a good friend of the show uh, who's a little younger than me has no problem introducing himself to another gamer. Like, he sees someone on the train playing a 3DS, so just walk up, hey, what's up, what game are you playing? playing? And I'm just like, I always find that weird, because I'm like, yo, you are so outgoing with that stuff. I can't do that. Oh, really? I'm the same way. Like, I don't want, I don't want to have those conversations. I used to have that, I do that at work, I don't want to talk about it. I used to have that sort of fight club thing with people, where I would be on a plane, (laughs) and I'd I'd look down the hall, it's sort of like in fight club, there's a scene where, like, somebody's got a black eye. The waiter walks up with a black eye. And they give each other this look, like, oh, yeah. Yeah, you're in the fight club. But I used to, I would see a guy on a 3DS, and I'd kind of walk by and be like what's up and he'd be like hey and i'd be like <laughs> i actually like at the at the airport coming back from comic-con i started looking around because yeah. that's another like in and around conventions like you'll meet even like the conventions that have nothing to do with gaming are full of gamers if they're in the nerd umbrella like obviously mm. like a cooking convention you might not get somebody Comic-Con. but if you go to like dragon con or something like that or comic-con momo-con Momo <laughs> like all, all these kinds things, of cons you know I, there's so many cons emma watt con con emma watt con it's emma emma watson convention oh, okay got it that's it's not real i was gonna say that's <laughs> absolutely yeah i bet you that's absolutely not real. true uh also look up uh like reddit meetups there might be like reddit meetups in your yeah. area like that's a community of pretty okay people yeah smash yep. is really good at uh, community events too you should yeah. check out smash boards they do a lot if you're into that um cool and i will say this i am a lot more hopeful for gaming the other the other day i was riding home on the bart and i saw a middle-aged woman playing luigi's mansion dark moon oh really and yeah. that brought a smile to my face i'm so used to seeing folks like whipping out their iphone playing some crappy match three game yeah and <laughs> i looked up and i was like she's playing luigi's mansion that's all. i mean i didn't go say hi to her that was awesome. awkward but I was really happy for her. I was like, all right, this uh, this is a good sign. And, you know, Nintendo Voice Chat has a Facebook group. A bunch of the podcasts here have yeah. Facebook groups. Like, join those groups. Talk to people. That's find right. Out, yeah. Find out who's local. Get to you know, set up meet and greets. Yep. Like, I mean, Man, I have met so many people from the IGN uh, Podcast Unlocked Facebook group yeah. nice. in real life. And, like, 
I will socially see them on my own time when I go to those cities now. Like, that's they're awesome, awesome people out yeah. there. Yeah, cool. All right, so that's enough of that. Next question comes from Michael. Oh man, this one's a little long. Okay, <laughs> we're gonna try the best we can to Cliff's get this notes. one. I uh, love the podcast. Here's my question: Do you guys think the Wii U lifespan will be shorter than normal? Do you think? Oh, this is a bunch of questions. Okay, I'm gonna cut them off at some point. But do you think Nintendo will ship some kind of gamepad controller with their next system? If not, what does that mean for backwards compatibility with the Wii U? I think Nintendo should cut the lifespan of Wii U short and just release a true next-gen console in a couple of years without a gamepad. Then they should position the best Wii U games as launch titles and aim them at gamer. Okay, some of this is not realistic. And de- uh, that decided to skip the Wii U. Sorry, I'm judging you a little bit, Michael. Um, <laughs> but if they were planning to do something like this, then current Wii U games may be secretly designed to work without the gamepad. That would mean the gamepad's already a dead man walking. Anyway, do you agree? Um, so as far as the will the Wii U lifespan be shorter than normal, I don't think it is. What's normal? I think normal to people is five years. Okay, because I, I mean, that is normal with Sony is 10 years. Yeah. Well, that was yeah, only yeah. last gen, though. Last gen 360 and PS3 were around for way no, longer than any was generation for, before forever, that. the PS2 was around forever, man. The PS2, yeah, la- the PS2 yeah, P- would not die. No, <laughs> not as long as last cycle. Last cycle was the longest cycle between hardware. I don't know, man. The, the PS2 still had games being released for it. Like, I want to say the FIFA typical 14 cycle came out years. last year. On so PS2. I'll, 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 yeah, but that, obviously that doesn't count yeah, as yeah, like the cycle <laughs> exactly. ongoing. I'll put it this yeah. way. Going by Nintendo, uh, the N64's life cycle was not very long. The GameCube's yeah. life cycle was not very long. The Wii's life cycle was not very long. And uh, what the thing about these consoles is not that their life cycles aren't very long, but there is an abrupt day where Nintendo is sort of like, we out! And they stop supporting well, every the system. Com- every yeah. company, yeah. But what the they do, is, it is. But I mean, I, I feel like with Nintendo, there's there's always there's like this a swan song they put out, and then there's like a year or two of just sort of like, what are we supposed to do with this yeah. thing? Yeah. You know. All right, Mitch, you were gonna. Uh, the thing with Nintendo though is they, I don't think that you will ever see the gamepad go away because Nintendo is not the kind of company that introduces new technology, new hardware, new tech, whatever. And then leaves it behind when it fails. Yeah. yeah. Because, well, especially if... Well, no, finish your thought. I mean, just because... I, I mean, you them. look at the Wii, right? Like, enormously successful. So, obviously, motion controls will carry over. But mm-hmm. every time they do something innovative, they adopt it the next time. Yep. And they try to improve it. And I well, think you're going to see that in five years. What is well, and don't forget Amiibo. <laughs> if Amiibo blows up, that next console has an NFC or yeah. has something oh, yeah. that will read that Amiibo because they're I mean, going to find a way to, a, yeah. to weave all that in. It will be a toy in. reading machine. Yeah. That, I, I, so, even if the gamepad were to go away on the next system, I think that there still will be some of that technology because also if you look at the last how many consoles they've done like um, at least with Wii and Wii U they have purposely had that backwards compatibility baked in right yeah. they couldn't do that with, with GameCube because they were going from cartridge like th- there was just I don't think that would have been cost effective with their handhelds they've had backwards compatibility in every iteration for the most part from GBA uh, I'm talking about with the Game Boy Color and Game Boy Line to DS to 3DS now yeah. that we're on yeah so um, I think just for them, it's a matter of you know checking the box and saying, yeah, we want to offer this to our consumers because our games ultimately sell well and we sell them at a high price regardless yeah. of when. And that's something that has to change. We've talked about that a lot, yeah. right? But going back to the point, though, I don't think the lifespan will be shorter. I think that they're going to ride this out. They're going to go through at least four to five years, five years being the max, and then move on to the next thing, whatever okay. that thing is. Yeah, regardless of all that. I mean, do you guys disagree? Like, no, do you no. Gut, I think you're do on you the right track. Do you got ship and run because of how it's going? 
No, they, yeah. they, I mean, because if they were going to, they would have done that years ago, yeah, right? I yeah. mean, there was there were definitive times where people were like, this is over, it's done, and they kept going, mm-hmm. and the games keep coming, and they're going, like, I mean, well, there's still Zelda coming out, there, yep. there will be a 3D Mario that comes yeah. out at some point that, you know... They're banking um, on Amiibo really hard right now. Amiibo is definitely something that they're looking at long-term. This yeah. is not, like, a last-ditch effort to make Wii U survive. This is core to what that machine is going to yeah. be. Mm-hmm. yeah. And, like, I just don't understand. I personally don't understand the hatred for the gamepad. I feel like it's sort of I the... I love it. I think it's, it's great. I think, yeah, I think it's like, yeah, they, they needed a black sheep for the for the problems that Nintendo well, was did. having. Yeah. yeah. But you can you can operate, like, 99% of the things on the Wii U using a pro controller. If you don't want to use the gamepad, you can throw it off to the side. I don't really feel like it's it's shooting the cost of the console up that much. It's yeah. probably negligible at oh, that Oh, you point. mean the console that is cheaper than every other console yeah. in the market right so, now? Yeah, and I mean, we'll probably continue to be cheaper because that's yeah. how this works. Yeah. Um, I feel like the value goes up the more games they make. I don't know. Yeah. I love the gamepad. I love off-screen yeah. stuff. Like, that's... Well, yeah. one other thing we didn't mention is consumer confidence. Mm-hmm. If you cut and run, and you've basically burned the consumers who put down 300 250 whatever they paid, even if they got it cheaper, yeah. they're not happy with you. No. no, yep. no. Yeah, so that's not going to happen. All right, cool. Great. Next question. How you doing on time? You okay? Doing all right. All right. Awesome. I didn't get the text message saying it's time to it's go time. So I'm okay. doing all right. Got it. Next question is from Jeff. Uh, sorry, I'm just trying to find where the question begins. Give me one second. I'm sorry, guys. It's fine. <laughs> I'm just hanging out. Yeah. How you doing, Mitch? Um, I'm doing really well, man. I'm super excited to be doing MVC. Oh, the first here we time go. ever. Yes, it's we good. need to have you on more. Yeah. We had, you know, we had you in art before we had you on the show, really? and you got into the Earthbound cover art, which was like a diss yeah, to Andrew yeah, yeah, Goldfarb because yeah. he was still working here at yep. the time. But that he was wasn't dressed up as Ness. I, I yes. bet that crushed his heart. All right, next question is from guy. Jeff. He says, I'm a newfound listener and a fan of your weekly podcast. I brought a Wii U a few weeks ago on Mario Kart 8's release and it being on sale at Best Buy. I, have offici- I officially have three games. The Wii U is an awesome system and I have not played my PS4 since I purchased Wii U. Uh, even more incentive. Okay, I'm just trying to skip ahead. Sorry. Okay, why does Nintendo seem to release their best titles once every generation? Mario Kart, Smash Brothers, Zelda. I feel if they had annualized one of these franchises, it would give gamers a much better incentive to buy a Wii U. Do you feel annualizing or even releasing a Nintendo franchise every two years, uh, a typical like franchise every two years, would boost sales? Thanks for keeping me listening. Dude, the last Zelda game we got on Wii U was a remake of a decade-old thing. Yeah. Like, I would not call Zelda annualized, or even, like, like, Zelda games are really far apart. I think he wants Zelda to be annualized. That's crazy. Do you guys want Zelda annualized? Okay, why not? The reason I appreciate Nintendo games is because I'm not... Like, I don't think about Mario every single day in the same way I think about Assassin's Creed or Call of Duty because I'm inundated with information about it, mm-hmm. and I don't burn out on it. So when Nintendo announces a new Mario game, even if it's, like, 3D World or, uh, like, a Galaxy sequel or whatever else they're going to do that's new, by the time they talk about that, it's been so long that I'm like, oh, yeah, like, man, it's been, it is time for a new Mario yeah. game. It is time for Zelda on Wii U. And I get really excited. I'm super enthusiastic about buying those games in a way that I'm not when I look at Assassin's Creed Unity and go, wow, that's really impressive and I will never play it. Yeah, I feel like they're kind of smart about it because they they have <laughs> annualized Mario, but they've done it in a very clever way that it doesn't feel like it. It's not Whereas, like Wii U, Wii U, Wii U, yeah, Wii U. It's yeah. like you get different experiences on different platforms every yeah. year. Yeah, and well, well, some are 2D, some are 3D, yeah. some are 3D open world, some are 3D isometric or you know uh, uh, fixed angles, some yep. are multi player some are single player like uh some have different hooks in them then you have like a luigi's mansion like they've they sort of have annualized the mario brothers yeah but uh they've 
found weird and interesting ways to do it. And I think it gets a little different when you have like Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed 2, Assassin's Creed 2.5, Assassin's yep. Creed 2.5 Brothers, Assassin's Creed 3, <laughs> Assassin's Creed 4. So, uh, I mean, how excited are we for Smash? Because it's been the last while. one we played was so long ago. We're yeah. like, oh, God, and there's been yeah. so many like cool new Nintendo games yep, and yep. cool new like costumes and settings and things in the Nintendo verse yeah. that we get really excited about to make Smash feel super fresh and new. Yeah. yeah, so as much fun as it is to have sort of a new installment of a game you really care about, which it sounds like we're all in agreement, the problem with annualization is that you just kind of lose a little bit more excuse me, sort of um, desire for those games because as, as good as maybe the quality could be, you feel like, oh, I played this, I just played this. Like I feel <laughs> yeah. like I just played it a year ago. I, I think they go with the in sort of... In some cases, I feel it works for them and in some against them. I'll tell you this. Pokemon has been quietly annualized since 2009. Platinum, the following year. Soul Silver, the following year. Black and mm. White, the following year. Black, black and White, and white version two. 2. And this last year, Pokemon remakes. X and Y. And now, now this remakes. year, remakes. Right, right. Um, <clears throat> and that surprised me because I didn't expect that at first. When I saw it on a friend's poster, I was like, holy cow, we've been buying Pokemon games every year. For the the past- third time they annualized Pokemon. I was like, all right, Pokemon Red. Love it. Love it to pieces. Can't get enough. Pokemon Yellow, it's a better version of Red. Awesome. I will totally replay <laughs> it. Mm-hmm. And then it was like Emerald that came out. And I was like, nah, I'm done. Like well, I've seen, yeah, I've by seen the color ones, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, I mean, since then, it's been I feel like a Pokemon game every year. Maybe yeah. I'm wrong, but like my my brain no. looks back over time and sees Pokemon every year, and I'm like, I can't. I just I don't. But care. They've, they, yeah, like you said, they've they've sort of made a good job of hiding all that, right? Yeah. Like, I, and I feel like they you can turn something into more of an event by m- making it feel more special than it is. And it's why, you know, uh, there's nine or 14 or 55 Saw movies and they all <laughs> melt together and nobody cares, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. then that it's why Rockstar put out GTA, they put out GTA 5 and sells 35 million copies. Yep. And if you walked into their office and they're like, hey, put out one every year, they'd be like, no, we don't need to. Yeah, like, we, we only have to do this every now and then. Because well, we're making something meaningful. Yeah. yeah. Well, and imagine how excited we're going to be when the next Mario game gets announced. Oh because there isn't one this year. Yep. We just had 3D World. Yep. And I was going into E3, we were saying, yo, don't show us Mario. Yeah. Give Mario a break. <laughs> we had New Super Mario Bros. 2. We had 3D Land. We had 3D World. We had, yeah. I think, one more that I'm missing somewhere in there. We basically had a lot of Mario titles in a small amount of time. And it was one of those Super like, Luigi, Mario yeah, Put it away, yeah. guys. It's time to just put it in the shop, let it work. And this next one, especially if it's like 3D exploration and they, they build on like what Galaxy did or what 3D World did. That's going to be really awesome. And that's the first time Boom. we hit the gong. Four minutes. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That was the first time I actually let it go. Oh, snap. Now I can't turn it off. <laughs> this is the problem with this whole thing forever. Yeah, that's it. And I can't get into my phone. It's a good song, isn't it? All right. Next question. Uh, thanks for sending the question, Jeff. Sure. Next question comes from Mark. So cut to the chase. How do you think third-party publishers can still justify announcing games for about everything, every other platform, he means, except Wii U, like the recently announced Life is Strange from Square Enix, while the PS3 and 360 are both on their 11th hour of existence, and the Xbox One hasn't reached Wii U install base as of yet? Is it because of image considerations? Are they also guilty of the Nintendo is kitty fallacy? No. I want to point no, out it's neither a of those Resident things. Evil remake is also a victim of this same problem, and that's something I have wanted to play for years. And I will play it on another platform, uh, but it is not coming to Wii U. So anyway, let's talk about this. I mean, it's not a stigma for companies. Ubisoft isn't looking at Wii U going, oh, we don't want to be on there, or they'll think we're making baby games. Yeah. Yeah. Ubisoft is looking at its portfolio and going, how can we make the most money? Well, we don't go into a production for two years on an Assassin's Creed game that won't sell any copies. Mm-hmm. Moving on, and they move on. Yeah. Well, and off the record, you and I have talked to people, and the common answer we've heard is, 
we just don't see the justification with that install base. Yeah, yeah. I don't also, see the opportunity. On the record, I like Eve Gimo told me at E3, he's like, yeah, there's just nothing there. Like, there are no people playing that console. When there are enough people playing the console, we will start making Wii U games. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you look, he he mentions the 360 and the PS3 being on their 11th hour, right? Those, those install bases. Those have massive install bases. There yep. are millions of people actively still playing those consoles. The Wii U is sort of trapped between worlds, right? It's it's between the 360 and the and the Xbox One and the PS3 and the PS4. And I don't mean that just in terms of power. That's not really uh, part of the conversation here. I just feel like it doesn't have enough. Uh, people behind it to sort of justify spending the amount of time yeah. money it would take to service those people and then once you do like it's convincing people on Nintendo platforms that like they do need to play Call of Duty on the Wii U I don't think they need to like no. I think that's not and it's not a kiddie thing I just think that that's not necessarily what you associate with those consoles like I love my Wii U I don't associate it with Call of Duty because it's not when I turn on my Wii U it's not to play Call of Duty it's and it's play. exactly that reason like yeah. in your mind you think of certain games in a certain light and if you're not thinking about them in the, in the Wii U light then why would they make that game? Yeah, you also it doesn't like, make any I, sense. I mean, if you it piggyback off the install base thing, um, the the install base also means people in multiplayer. And if you're going to spend most games now have a very high focus on multiplayer, if not the entire focus being multiplayer, something like Evolve, right? Um, why put that on a on a game console that doesn't have historically a ton of people playing online? It doesn't have a ton of people playing online competitively in yep. a shooting uh, environment. Well, like, I think that's the thing that from the beginning kind of sort of came back to bite them in the ass for lack of a better way to say yeah. it. I mean, when the GameCube, when everyone else was going online with PS2 and with the original Xbox, the OG G, as I like to call it, uh, the GameCube wasn't really having it. It wasn't trying to build an online infrastructure. And so I, I think among at least developers who were trying to sort of warm up to that market, they looked at, at GameCube and were like, no, we can't put this multi-platform game here. Where are we going to do like Splinter Cells Online, for example, yeah. is, a, is a good yeah. example of that. And granted, those were still baby steps, but I feel like that was something that sort of hamstrung developers and was like, well, we can't do, you know. I hate the the... The common excuse that it, it will not accommodate our vision, but maybe it's true. Like, yeah. I mean, that, that is, is not a, a BS term. When companies say that, it's because they have grand ambitions for their product that in- incorporate very specific hardware requirements, networking requirements, and all of these resources that, and this isn't a slide against Wii U. It's not like it's an inferior, I mean, it's like literally an inferior product to Xbox One and PS4, but it doesn't make it, make it bad, right? Like, they're trying to do different things. Mm-hmm. So when the Wii U can't process something like you know the crew or uh evolve because it can't process the stuff going on in the engine like okay that's kind of you really want a crappy port of those games i don't don't, yeah i mean i I already don't want to play something like metal gear solid ground zeros on 360 because it looks worse and it performs worse sure and you don't want a a bad version of something that's good elsewhere yeah like and and they don't want to make it i I do want to admit though i'm really i guess i'm tired of getting worked up over when a new game gets announced and it's not on Wii U. I'm kind of over getting oh, upset I don't, about I it. I don't even think about it yeah. anymore. I, honestly, there was a time yeah. where I used to go, Ugh, again. Um, At and this now, point, it's like a Wii U game gets announced. It's not that a game doesn't get announced for Wii U. It's like, oh, a Wii U game is announced. Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I look at it differently. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it. I mean, this is just the climate we're in now that if you want to play a lot of games across a portfolio of, 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 of places, 
you need a bunch of different systems. And or that, you just buy a PC. Or you just buy a PC, yeah. And then you miss all the Nintendo stuff, point, right? Yeah. Or you just buy Nintendo games or Nintendo or systems. Or you buy a PC and, and a then Nintendo you miss all the next-gen stuff that's coming out. Like, yeah. I mean, even Nintendo does it to you, right? If I own a Wii U but not a 3DS, I'm missing a ton of games. If I own a 3DS and not a Wii U, I'm missing a ton of games. Like, we are in a place now where gaming is a more expensive hobby than it's ever been to get in the door. I think. And then once you're in the door, you can find ways to yeah. live kind of yeah. cheap in that world. But you need multiple consoles. And yeah. it's it's why, like, when someone says, like, you know, when Ubisoft says, Watch Dogs is coming to Wii U, I'm like, just don't. But I think Honestly, that, just don't. Because yeah. then, then it gets delayed. By the time that thing comes out, it's going to sell zero copies. Yep. And then they're going to use Unless it as a, they're going to use it as an example mm. of why they're not, not to put yeah. games on that system. Even I mean, if that's if a bad a, chicken and egg a, situation, yeah, yeah. right? Even if it's a, even if it's a bad Also, is that game still supposed to come out this year? I doubt it. I mean, why? They said holiday. Yeah. I'll believe when I see it, man. I don't know. If if it's an amazing port and it <laughs> I just I don't know. I'll bet yeah. Super Smash Brothers comes out on Wii U in twenty fifteen before Watch Dogs comes out. Oh man, you wanna oh, take man. another steak bet? You're gonna owe me one steak as it is. Well, you know this. Mm-mm. Friend of the show Mitch uh, wait for my made a bet with steak. me over uh that Smash will not be released in twenty fourteen. No I think way. Amiibo has absolutely assured that, but no. okay. No so it's your money. I, I will take your steak. Uh but um one thing I do wanna drive back around to really quickly, I'm trying to I well, this is this is sort of besides this question, so I'm actually stopping the timer because I want to ask you guys this. Cheat codes. I was just thinking about this recently, and there was a time where I would never have committed to buying every system, and I still haven't. Xbox One is the only one I haven't committed to yet, but I'm planning to the minute Master Chief Collection shows up. When did you guys become multi-platform gamers? I feel like it's something that eventually I just gave in, and now I'm, I'm just doing it consciously. And I'm not saying to folks at home, you have to do that. I mean, clearly you are in charge of your own budget, and your own time and how you spend it. But I know in, in my world, because I want to play such a diverse number of games, yeah. I've opened up to that. The only platform I won't play on is PC because I just, I'm just i not a PC gamer. But when so did when? you guys give in? Yeah, I gave in GameCube era. GameCube, when Metro Prime showed up, I was like, yep. I have to be there. I bought a I'm, GameCube. And I bought everything. I had a PS2. I bought an Xbox. Like I Since the moment I had a job. But didn't it feel weird to have no. all those systems? No, because I like games. I don't give a shit what box it comes on. For- I just want to play games. Mm. For me, it was the the Super NES and the Genesis. You had them both. I had them both. Nice. Traitor, man! I, I wish. Put, I wish. Kids at school must have made. And fun you know of what? You. If there was a if there was a war <laughs> at school about the NES versus the Master System, I probably would have gone out and gotten the Master System too. <laughs> and that wasn't because I had money, because I didn't growing up. We my, didn't my parents know. didn't have a lot of money. Um, but it was because I knew that's all I wanted. I didn't want anything else. I didn't like a lot of kids like they wanted sporting equipment and stuff like that, and they wanted you know rollerblades and all this garbage. I didn't want any of that. I wanted the Super Nintendo and I wanted the Genesis because I went to school and I heard everybody fighting about them. And I said, you know what? You know how I win this war? I get both. Yeah. And I was Someone, joking yeah. earlier when I no, brought no, up no, totally, totally. Yeah. no, totally, totally. That's exactly it. Because I mean, I was sitting there listening to people going, "Super Mario World sucks. Sonic's the best." And I'm hearing people say, "Sonic sucks. Super Mario's the best." So you just raised the Mario hands. guys were right in that situation, <laughs> by Correct. the way. You didn't but. raise a hand and silence them all. Silence. No, I, I, was, just the sitting, I was just sitting there I listening. I am your console messiah. <laughs> yeah, I was sitting there listening, and I was like, you know what? I don't have to partake in this i can be the king of this garbage right here so i went and i got them both and then i went and i got both a game boy and a game gear Mm -hmm. right and then one was always inferior inferior to the other yep i mean nintendo was mostly in the lead there 
Then I got an N64 and a PlayStation. You know, I think my I, my friend had a Turbo Graphics. Like I, I made sure to play everything. Yep. Uh, when it came to the GameCube and the Xbox, I had all those. You know, and then the the PlayStations and the PS3, uh, the Wii era. Like I I don't. I've always been agnostic when yeah. it comes to stuff like this. And like, I think for people like looking at potential platforms they want to buy, I think, and I get asked that question all the time, and I'm sure you guys do too. I always just ask them, Hey, what are you into? First of all, like yeah. don't ask me if you want to buy a Wii U. Ask me. Why don't what I ask you, you what games play? do you want? And if most of those games are in Nintendo's box, do it. If most of those games are on PC, do it. Yeah. PS4, Xbox One, the tap wave, if that was your sure, thing. Sure, whatever. Like, whatever. Just, whatever you need. At the end of the day, though, make sure you're satisfying your own needs and don't yep. just buy a platform because you, you want to, you know, you're not entirely sure. Like, look at that instead. Absolutely. Anyway, all right. That, that, that's <laughs> it for that. Sorry. I, that went a little off topic, but it's, that's just a question I want to ask you both. All right, next question comes from Bob. I really want to buy Shovel Knight, but my problem is I don't know which platform to buy it on. I love the idea of portability for the 3DS, but I also like the idea of playing Shovel Knight in HD on Wii U. I know that rumors of Crossfire are floating around the internet and really wish Nintendo would embrace this concept. Which version of the game would you recommend I get? By the way, I love the podcast. Thank you, Bob. So I, you have both played Shovel Knight. I yeah. Shovel yeah. Knight. yeah, I played on, I mean... It's the exact same game on PC, Wii U, and 3DS. Mm -hmm. It really depends on where you want to play it. If you would rather play it on the train or whatever, like get it on 3DS. If you'd rather play it on your couch, get it on Wii U. If you can comfortably play it on your computer, get it on PC. Yeah, I would exactly. It's, it's wherever you spend the most gaming time. Yeah. Um, I put it on Wii U on a big on a big ass TV, and I absolutely loved it. But then when there was times that I wanted to play it on the gamepad, I switched it over to that. So I see I can see how it scales. Yeah. No matter what. Um, if you're I would play it at home. Just do that. Yeah, if you can play at home, I would say Wii U, just because it's like it's great on your te- on your TV. Which I mean, if you can facilitate that with your PC, then sure. Um, 3DS would be my last choice personally because I just don't find as much time to play that. Like I have a feeling that if I got it on 3DS, I'd play it on the couch anyway. And yeah. if I'm sitting on the couch playing on 3DS, might as well play it on my. See, TV. my one problem with it on 3DS is the ergonomic sort of setup because a game like that that is a you know sort of those 8-bit roots. I want to use the D-pad, and on the 3DS uh, XL, that D-pad is really low. Yeah. I also tried playing it on 2DS, and the problem I ran into there is the D-pad's too small. Oh really? Um, yeah, it was just like uh, what's uh, what's the the one with the bears and the porridge? I forgot her name. Oh, it was Goldilocks. Goldilocks. Yeah, it was Goldilocks. basically Golden, uh, Goldilocks with these different platforms trying each one. Yeah, yeah. And I think Wii U was what I settled on. Wii U was, was just right. It was just right. And just for the reason that I think what you said earlier, being able to put it on the TV, but also then being able to put it on the gamepad only yep. if I just want to. Yep. Obviously, the only difference there is that you can't take it out of your house, and mm-hmm. that kind of stinks. And that game has a great soundtrack, great design. Um, so really... I guess my advice to you, Bob, would be, are you on the road more than you are at home playing video games? And if that's the case, do that. But know that if your hands are huge like mine, you may have some compromises to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Is that all on that one? I guess. think so. Yes. All right. Next question. Well under time. Yeah, well under time. I didn't set the timer on that one because I figured we'd be going faster. (laughs) All right. This one comes from Paul in England, and I think it was accidentally misspelled to E-Glad. (laughs) E-Glad. Big fan of the show. Love what you do. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Uh, Okay. His question is hypothetical, so this one's going to get heated. Oh, good. I know it already. Congratulations. You have just been given the job of producing Nintendo's next hardware. Please give us uh, insight into what you have planned for both home console and handheld. Oh, man. This is way out there. We don't usually do a question like this, but what would you do if right now you can make the decision to design Nintendo's next piece of hardware? So it is one device that works across 
as a portable and something you can plug into your TV and Bluetooth connect actual controllers too. Um, you lose the gamepad thing and you have something like basically that works like it. Something like a 3DS that you can just pop open, clamshell, stick underneath your TV and hook up via USB to your television. You get bored of that, you pick it up, you take it on the train or on a plane and you go. Just yeah. for folks at home, we're not even going to consider price into this because I no, would no, like no. get into a huge argument or with Or technology, right? right? Yes. Like My ultimate course, vision yeah. is like a controller, like a DS. Picture a DS, right? Where you can remove the top screen. And it's like almost like a Microsoft Surface where you're like, I'm moving my keyboard off. I'm going to micro yeah. my keyboard in there. Like a machine that is basically you have a controller that turns into a portable machine. Yeah. A controller that t- speaks to a piece of hardware in your living room that speaks to your TV. And then you can just shoot everything onto your handheld So console. you guys yeah. are both in favor of pairing it down to a one platform console. that yes. does both. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. And I know I just came hot off of, like, you got to buy a bunch of things nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. A little uh, bit. But, you know, human beings are a hypocritical bunch, yeah. so sorry. Yeah. Um, and, yes, I know cost is a huge issue in this. You and I have talked about this before because um, this is something, you know, we, we Nintendo fans have been kicking around for a long time. Instead of having the sort of, like, two pillars, uh, you move it all to one. But, yeah, that would be a very expensive piece of technology. Yeah. I So I think the number one thing that has to go into that box is a unified network platform. Like, yeah. out of the box, absolutely. I don't know if I would pair about down both to one device. I feel like um, if both devices talk to each other and if I could get them as a bundle, great. But if I want the... I want them separately. Like, let's say I don't want a dedicated gaming handheld, something that even transforms into one. I just, I and I would rather just have a home machine. I do like the idea, though, of knowing if I did buy the additional thing, it speaks to the equipment I have at home. I'll give you an example. Um, I have an Apple TV and I have an iOS uh, tablet and I have a smartphone by Apple. And one of the things I really like by having those three things is I could just wirelessly jack into the next one and take over the television yeah and show people whatever i want and watch whatever i want and i think that i mean you're not buying a nintendo product to watch television you are buying a nintendo product to partake in games but i feel like that connectivity has to be really strong between those platforms yeah if they're separate um other than that uh, i mean do we even try to address the the best technology video games can make like the power yeah i don't know i I mean, mean yeah i don't care like nintendo games have always been so good at, I mean, this is something that I think a lot of developers struggle with is uh, building with restraint. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that Nintendo having hardware limitations forces them to do interesting things to accommodate the hardware. Yep. And that typically leads to really visually interesting things like the Wind Waker. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Or 3D World or Mario Kart, yeah. which but are it, gorgeous games. But it know? does put them in the corner a little bit with, little uh, bit. with, with third parties sometimes. Yeah. In that, when they make a game, like you'll look at like the file sizes on, for example, Wii U software. And something like Super Mario 3D World was like a little over a gig. And I told a friend that, and he was like, what? Yeah. And then you take like... One uh, for 101 or a third party or another company's main game, and it's like 11 gigs. Donkey yeah. Kong Country Tropical Freeze was like eight or nine gigs. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, so they're really asset heavy. Um, yeah, I don't. I agree with Mitch. Just right click zip. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with Mitch in that maybe I don't think power has ever really been the problem, and I think Nintendo has really creative ways of getting around it. Um, but I do think that whatever it is, 
that hardware ultimately being designed around like really cool ideas is something they will totally take advantage of. Yeah, I, I say you say forget it to the you know the whole uh, arms race of trying to get to be up there with the most powerful consoles in the world. You let those guys have that that because honestly, because I hold on, I, I think that like that's that's there's just only a few companies still really taking advantage of all that. Like you got to double down on indies. You got to double down on making a network that's accessible for people who want to make games for Nintendo platforms that are like. You know, quick, easy, accessible uh, developers working on games that aren't like 55 gig. Like The Last of Us Remastered or whatever. It was a 50 gig game. Like, does that make it a better game? No. It just means it's a heavy game with a lot of assets (laughs) in it. I don't know if that necessarily means that you have to make games like that all the time. Now, granted, Last of Us is a great game. But I don't think that that's what they should be. It should get out of that arms race. Double down on indies. Double down on first party stuff. Ramp up. Like, bulk up your your studios making first party games. And make that dedicated indie Nintendo console that the Wii U is sort of Thriving to be, striving to be right now. Basically do what PlayStation does. Yeah. Yeah. And also include like some sort of streaming service out of the box. I think you want people to advocate for your games, but you mm. may not want to pick Twitch after what happened recently. I don't know if like the new consoles kind of screwed themselves by immediately, right. you know, jumping on that bandwagon, but yeah. uh, definitely make it social and shareable and all that stuff. No, but I, I, I agree with you and I disagree because I think on this very show, we've gotten into arguments over the whole arms race and that Nintendo's practices of not trying to keep up. I, I think we've argued it, it's hurt them. And I'm not saying I want them to be the cutting-edge technology. I don't think they have to be. But I just was going to bring that up because I'm not sure if you had brought that up before or not. Maybe someone can go back no, to the show. No, you're right. You I mean, I, I think people do associate Nintendo uh, as – a kitty company that makes baby games with weak power and you know no bad system specs and stuff like that, um, and then you see a game like Mario Kart 8, and you're like, well, maybe none of that matters because it still looks good. <laughs> and then you look at the PS4, and predominantly most people, the games are playing on PS4 look like old Nintendo games. Like it's you know it's it's things like you know Rogue Legacy that like it basically is like an 8-bit game souped up. Like we are not playing bleeding edge technology games on our PS4 for the most part, you know. For every for every infamous, there's ten you know thousand and one spikes or and. But that's because that hardware is easier to make games for than we use right now. Of course, Mm -hmm. of course. So I mean, that's where the future lies in in the video game industry, and it it is making your hardware as accessible as possible for as many developers as possible to make your games on it. Not necessarily the most powerful games in the world, just games. Yeah. All right. Last question. Bum bum bum. Comes from Daniel. Uh, Ooh. Okay. This is a good one. So another big fan of the show. Thank you very much, Daniel. Uh, With the Japanese release of Hyrule Warriors uh, happening this week in Japan uh, and the September release of Smash Brothers uh, for 3DS is actually happening in September in Japan as well, I seem to wonder what is the deal with Nintendo giving release dates so far apart for each region. By next week, thanks to the power of the internet, we will know everything about Hyrule Warriors, from extra characters, the story, and the ending. Same applies to Smash and even Bayonetta 2. I have a great fear of spoilers ruining moments for everyone else around the world. Mm -hmm. I think he means for himself, too. Unless if someone decides not to go on the internet for the next three months, I believe there won't be a way to really have a spoiler-free experience with these games. Sure. So, do you think Nintendo should give their games worldwide release date, uh, much like Pokemon they did with Pokemon X and Y, and should they make this a standard practice from now on? I mean, Nintendo isn't so much worried about spoilers for Hyrule Warriors as it is, oh man, we have to spend all this time translating this game. That takes an enormous amount of time. That's not only somebody who has to go through every single line of any words in that game, right? Like, 
whether it's dialogue or item descriptions or menus or whatever, yeah. they have to translate that, and then you presumably have to record it in English. You have to change the text entirely. That's a lot of work. And you, to do that while a game is in development is even harder. Yeah. So if you and if you hold a game from release in Japan to do that, then you're missing out on potential sales. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's also like a uh, almost decidedly non-American problem for the most part because yeah. other regions have to deal with this a lot worse than we do. Yeah. When we send our games over there and they they don't get them for months and when they're waiting for them to get localized. But this is a this is an issue we had um, growing up in the 80s and 90s playing video games. It actually happened so much more than, than it does now. It does, um, and it, it used to be years apart, not yeah, months. Yeah. Years, yeah. years. And it was sort of like, you looked at Japan like it was this mystical land that was ahead of... <laughs> it of, was the, a mystical it land. It was, of course, yeah. <laughs> and, you here. know, they're like, they're, they're four Final Fantasies ahead of us and all this crazy <laughs> stuff like that. You know, none of it was really that true, but... And uh, now it's like Persona 5 gets announced and they say, it's coming out in Japan in October and then in America six months later. You're like, no! Yeah, six yeah. months is so long. Yep, yep. But yeah, I agree. It's it's sort of a it's sort of an issue, but um, luckily it's a practice that's that's died down a lot. I feel like most companies sort of they announce a launch date and they figure out between the development of the game and the launch date exactly how to make it so those dates come together as close as possible. Yeah, they do the what's best for them as a business, which is what they should be doing because that's how businesses work. Yeah. And the moment you start kowtowing to people who are like, meh, spoilers. And I'm like, I wrote an editorial on IGN about how much I hate spoilers and how much I hate people who spoil stuff. And even then, I'm like, I mean, you can't really do much about it. You can just, whatever circles you're running in where they're spoiling stuff, don't go there. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I agree with all the points so far about it being about localization. It is about managing schedules and managing projects. And having to do all this stuff within a game's development is really hard. Like, game development is, is already hard as it is. Imagine writing an entire scene and then cutting it from the game, and you have the localization team completely work on that scene already. That yeah. is wasted money and resources and time. Pokemon X and Y was a very unique situation, and I'll explain why. For years, Japan would get Pokemon first. We'd have to wait six months to a year, maybe longer, to get the Pokemon game. And everything would be spoiled over that course of time because websites would just – people would jump on those opportunities to play those games. And then everything will be spoiled by the time it came to the West. And Pokemon X and Y, they decided, all right, this is a new generation. We want to try and do this so that it's a worldwide release and nothing gets spoiled. And let me tell you, as the guy who had to review that game – you have no idea the hell I went through to review that game. Yeah. Because not only was there a list of things I couldn't spoil, and granted, if you've ever read a review I've written, I don't spoil anything. I don't like to tell you anything about story, to be honest, because I'm more about the game I'm playing. But there was also a crazy review embargo where I had to review that game in a week, an huh. RPG that takes 30-plus hours. Yeah. I almost died on that. And it was all because of this worldwide deal. And, yeah. you know, if you're going to hit this embargo, you have to review it in this amount of time. It's crazy. And I remember giving feedback to Nintendo going, guys, you, like, that's not cool. Delay it six months. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, it, it's just, it, it's, of course, for the listener, like, well, you know, third world problems were all like, that, whatever. Course, it doesn't yeah. matter, you know, that you had to go through all that. I, I agree with you, but I also think at the same time that, again, like, this was a unique situation. They tried it. They did ship it out the door on time. And... For the most part, a lot of things weren't spoiled, even though there were leaks left and right in places like Korokoro. And even we had a leak. We leaked Litleo before time, and that was a huge disaster on our part. But um, as a whole, yeah, these things are just not that easy to line up. And Japan does have to wait sometimes, too. They had to wait for Yoshi's New Island, which... Time's up, Jose. Some people would say wasn't worth it. (laughs) (laughs) I would say you're wrong. 
But anyway, um, so yeah, that that's pretty, basically it in a nutshell, Daniel. These things mm-hmm. are just really protracted, long schedules. Unlike this podcast, which is now over. Thank you very much for listening to the Nintendo Voice Chat. We are a weekly show on IGN, and but we are not the only podcast on IGN. There's great podcasts. Mitch is a regular contributor on Podcast Unlocked. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, we have Podcast mm-hmm. Beyond. IGN have- Arena. IGN Arena is coming back, right? Yep. Drop it like it's hot. Yep. What is IGN Arena? IGN Arena is our mobile podcast. It's coming back next week. Okay. And competitive gaming. Compe- yeah. Yep. Lots too. of esports stuff. We bring up Counter Strike and StarCraft mm-hmm. and all sorts of nerd stuff like that. Cool. It's great. All right. Um, and yeah, if you like the show, make sure you head on over to IGN.com. Check out our videos. Check out our features. We have a bunch yep. of stuff from Gamescom coming in. How about a Dragon Age preview? Go read it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Keep it locked. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and if you have feedback for us, email mvc at IGN.com or head on over to iTunes and leave us a show review. Let us know what you think. So uh, that's it, guys. Mm-hmm. Thanks a lot for coming in. Mitch, thank you very thank much you for, for jumping me. in for this segment. Yeah. Um, really quickly, Twitter handles. If you want to find Brian Altano, you can find him at Agent Bizzle. You can find Mitch Dyer at Mitchy D. And you can find myself, Jose underscore Otero, on Twitter. Thank you again for listening, and we will see you next week. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available.